guys, what's up? Welcome back to Crisis of Crime. My name is Rachel Means and I'm a criminologist. Thank you so much for choosing to hang out with me today. Originally, when I was planning on making an episode about terrorism, I was going to talk about threats of terrorism that are abroad. Things like the 9-11 attacks and ISIS and things like that. But that episode is going to have to wait because there is history being made in our capital right now with a different kind of terrorism, and that is domestic terrorism. So I thought that we could go over a few terms first to try to get an idea of what's happening in the capital and then talk about why these people are offending. What crime theory are they fitting into? Because it's an interesting one. So let's start off with, is terrorism the correct term for what these people are doing? Is that the right term? Should we be calling them terrorists, essentially? Because initially when the attacks started happening, it, they were being called protesters on the news still, and then it turned into rioters, and now people are calling them terrorists or domestic terrorists. So is that the correct term? Well, if we look at the definition of terrorism, it's the unlawful use of violence or intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of a political goal. So is that what was happening? These people were attacking the Capitol building to try to overturn the election because they believed that it was fraudulent and they believed that Donald Trump was the real winner. So yes, that does fit the definition of terrorism. And it's domestic terrorism because the people who are committing it are from the country in which they are committing the crime against. It was pretty startling what we saw going on in the Capitol, people coming in with the hopes of taking hostages, of murdering members of Congress. We saw people with zip ties, people had weapons, there were bombs. So it was a very big deal what had happened at the Capitol. The next definition I want to talk about is treason. A lot of people are throwing around that these people were committing treason. Treason is definitely one of the most severe charges that you can get when it's not a direct crime against persons. You know, crime against persons are things like murder, rape, robbery, things like that. So then you have a separate set of crimes that aren't directly against a person. You're not physically hurting someone. And this would probably be the most severe charge under that, which is treason. Now, treason is defined as the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. Now, I can see how it can be confusing because these people were trying to break into the Capitol building and take hostages and murder members of Congress. So it sounds like it, it fits that definition of treason. But the biggest caveat with treason is that you need to be acting with a foreign government against the United States. Now, these people were not acting with a foreign government. They thought that they were fighting for our government, who they genuinely believe because of conspiracy theories like QAnon and the rhetoric that Donald Trump was saying that they were being defrauded in this election. So it would not fit the definition of treason. The next definition I want to look at is insurrection. A lot of people were saying it was an act of insurrection or they're insurrectionists. So what does that word mean? Insurrection is a violent uprising against an authority or a government. So because it's saying that it can be an uprising against an authority or a government, it's safe to say that these people were having a violent uprising against an authority and that authority was Congress. Now, sedition is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against authority of a state or monarch. 
So sedition is pretty much trying to get people to commit an insurrection. One can lead to the other. And sedition is most prominently being looked at for President Donald Trump when he gave his speech to the uh, the crowd saying, we're going to go down to the Capitol. That speech that he gave, there was a lot of terms that he used in there were that could be seen as sedition, such as, you know, let's go down to the Capitol or, um, you know, weakness never wins. And then Rudy Giuliani saying we want to have trial by combat. So they are heavily looking into whether or not um, President Donald Trump committed an act of sedition by giving that speech. But, you know, it's more than just that speech. He has been inciting this kind of conspiracy theory that this election was fraudulent for a very long time. So this wasn't just this one speech causing this uprising. This has been going on all throughout election season, especially after Joe Biden won the election. And the QAnon conspiracy theorists have definitely helped perpetuate all of this. But this was a slow burn. This wasn't something that happened in a matter of minutes or overnight. This is something that's been building up for a very long time. It's becoming increasingly clear that there was a lot of organization that went on. So the FBI definitely has their hands full with trying to investigate what's happened and just seeing how deep the rabbit hole really goes. I feel like a lot of us could see this coming. And maybe we were just naive thinking, oh, you know, they won't be able to really make anything of it or it won't ever come to fruition. But here we are. And so it just goes to show, even if the domestic terrorist threat is wrapped in a white man, a Christian white man, it still needs to be taken seriously as much as they take it seriously when it's a foreign adversary. I quickly want to talk about that term domestic terrorism. A lot of people ask, you know, why aren't these white supremacist groups labeled as domestic terrorist organizations? Why aren't the Proud Boys or the KKK or QAnon conspiracy theorists and even other types of movements that have nothing to do with race or anything, something like the Earth Liberation Front, who they've been committing acts of domestic terrorism for years in regards to the environment, but they're not labeled as a domestic terrorist organization because the United States actually can't label organizations as domestic terrorist organizations. And I know that sounds silly, but it actually comes down to the First Amendment, the freedom of speech and expression, which means you can get together in a group and talk about whatever you want to talk about. So that can be how much you think your race is superior to other people. That can be something like NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, where it's grown men getting together talking about how they are attracted to young prepubescent boys. It can be the Earth Liberation Front, where they talk about how all these corporations and people are ruining our environment and how they have to do something to stop it. But they're legally allowed to do that under the First Amendment. There's nothing stopping them from saying any of that. It's when someone steps out of that organization and actually acts on the things that they're saying that we can label that individual person as a domestic terrorist. But that's why we're able to call those who attacked the Capitol domestic terrorists because they actually 
acted on it. But even though they've acted on it and they've committed this act of insurrection, we can't turn around and call the Proud Boys or all QAnon conspiracy theorists. Um, We can't call their organization domestic terrorist organizations. So I know it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but it really comes down to the First Amendment. It's kind of, it's like, a catch-22. You know, you want to have the First Amendment because you want everybody to have free speech, but that speech is going to include things that you do not agree with. But once people act in a way that's unlawful and is an act of terrorism, then we can label them domestic terrorists. It's convoluted, but that is how our whole government is. So why did the people at the Capitol, why did these insurrectionists and these domestic terrorists, why did they commit the acts that they did? Why did they break into a federal building in hopes of taking hostages and killing members of Congress or just sending a message that, you know, I'm here in the Capitol building and nobody stopped me? That's a pretty loud message to be sending and posting it on social media and feeling brave enough to just put your face out there. Like that's definitely some white privilege going on right there. But why did these people, one, feel the need to do that? And two, think that they could get away with it. And I really think that it falls into two different theories, and it depends on what their role was during the insurrection. So the first one is the social bond theory, and that was written by Travis Hershey and published in 1969. And the social bond theory essentially says that it's the control that society has on someone that stops them from offending. But as soon as someone breaks their bonds with society, they no longer feel the need to uphold that control that society has on them. So essentially, they no longer adhere to the laws, which are the control that society has. And the way that this usually works is that somebody feels as if society's laws are not being upheld for them, and therefore they don't have to uphold society's laws. Why would one of these domestic terrorists feel that way? If they truly believe everything that Donald Trump says and they believe in things like the QAnon conspiracy theory, then they honestly believe that this election has been fraudulent and that it was stolen from them and that our government is run by devil-worshipping, child-blood-drinking pedophiles. And so it wouldn't be a shocker to find out that they don't think that society is holding up their end of the bargain because they're letting all this terrible stuff happen. So they would fall into that social bond theory because they feel like society's laws are not being upheld for them. Therefore, they are not going to uphold them. So this causes them to act out. And we get a lot of egging on by the president and by the news media, especially uh, conservative news media, just perpetuating these claims of fraud and stuff like that. And then all the posts that they're probably seeing on Facebook and Parler, and they just get to a breaking point where they organize and say that they're going to storm the Capitol and take it back because they can't let their country fall into disarray into this fraudulent world of pedophilia. So that makes sense for the people who were kind of leading the charge and really fell down that rabbit hole. For everybody else that's kind of just going along with it, they would fall more into differential association. And that's where you're learning your criminal behavior from somebody else. And this really has to do with the way that we portray things in our news media and how 
people are charged with different crimes and how interactions happen between certain groups of people with the police versus others. You know, because you can turn on the news and you can see an unarmed black man getting shot by the police and then the news spinning it and victim blaming and saying, well, he must have been doing something wrong. He or she must have been doing something wrong. So, you know, they weren't a saint, essentially, is is how the news usually spins when a, a black person is killed by police and they were unarmed. Meanwhile, white people will have confrontations with police and they will be, you know, docile. And so they see that and they think, well, that white person obviously wasn't a threat because the police weren't reacting that way. So they weren't violent, essentially. Uh, Being white is less of a threat. So not only does that perpetuate their white privilege and feeling like they can get away with more, even if it's on a subconscious level, it's still perpetuating that. But it emboldens people to be more dramatic with their actions. And we can see this with people who we label as like Karens who um, will get all up in people's faces and will not fear any kind of retribution. And that idea of a Karen has gone back for a long time. You know, the name has changed over the years. You know, it's been Becky, it's been Miss Anne, but Karen has definitely been emboldened with having the news media reporting and showing a lot of stuff on social media where these people are just getting away with, you know, saying heinous things and, you know, calling the police and not being the one who is ever like questioned, you know, people will call the police on a black person and then the black person ends up, you know, being harmed by the police or arrested or something like that, even though they weren't in the wrong So essentially what's happening is people are learning these behaviors based on what they see on TV or seen through interactions that they've had with other people um, or police officers or anything like that. And usually differential association is very close contact people, you know, um, like learning a crime from another person. We usually talk about like mobs and gangs and stuff like that. But with the rise of social media... I would argue that differential association doesn't necessarily have to be such close contact anymore because you can have very close social contact with people even though it's on a social platform and you're not physically in the same space. So it would be interesting to talk to Sutherland and see if he agreed with me uh, because, you know, this this theory of differential association was written back in 1939. So it would be it would be interesting to see if it has evolved with the times. So pretty much you have this group of mostly white, mostly Christian people who are getting very emboldened, feeling like they will never be in the wrong. And then you mix that with the rhetoric that Fox News and Breitbart and all those very right-wing media outlets are saying, plus what the president is saying. And so I don't think that all these people that showed up at the Capitol had fallen down like that very steep QAnon rabbit hole. But even just the rhetoric of having what they see on the media and stuff like that, I think is enough to embolden people to think that it's okay that they could get away with breaking into the Capitol building and committing insurrection and then being able to just go home scot-free because that's literally what they've been shown happens to white Christians when they have encounters with law enforcement. They haven't seen it where they actually get in trouble 
essentially. Okay, that is everything that I wanted to talk about today. This has been a wild couple of weeks. Like, I was listening to NPR, and they were talking about the Capitol riots, and then they switched to talking about the pandemic, and I literally had forgotten that the pandemic was a thing, like, while they were reporting on the Capitol riots, and I was just like, damn it, you know? (laughs) Sorry, I usually don't curse in these podcasts, but I, I was literally just like, Crap, yeah, that's still a thing, isn't it? So it, it's it been a wild, wild week. I'm, And I want to apologize that my podcasts have not been coming out as steadily as they used to. When I first started these, I was not working because they had not opened the schools yet. So I was still at home and I had all this time. And now I've gone back to work full time. Uh, so that is why these have become a lot less frequent. So I'm so sorry to everybody. I have started a TikTok account, so you can find me on TikTok. I know it's not as good as a podcast. It's just, it's so much easier to just put out like a one minute video really quickly than it is to make and edit a whole podcast. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to be trying really hard to um, get back to these with a more frequent schedule. Uh, And I appreciate everybody's support and I love you guys. So thank you for being here and for listening. And I hope that everybody is staying safe and washing their hands and wearing their masks. Um, it, it has been a tough, tough year. Oh my gosh, 2020 was like apocalyptic, but we are still here. We are all in this together and I love you guys. If you want to learn more about me or about what I do, please visit my website at www.crisisofcrime.com. There you will find links to my podcast as well as my YouTube channel, my TikTok, and my Patreon. I cannot thank you guys enough for being here and listening and supporting. And until next time, this has been Crisis of Crime. Crisis of Crime.